Hello, today is Wednesday, January 8th, and welcome to episode 285 of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you quickly up to speed three times a week on the national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. I'm Jessica Jones, NSI Deputy Executive Director, and today I'm joined by NSI founder and executive director and great holiday gift giver, Jamil Jaffer, NSI Senior Fellow and Fault Lines Magnet Designer, Les Munson, and last but definitely not least, NSI Senior Fellow, Morgan Vigna, who's rocking some red lipstick this morning. Okay, so what are we talking about today? We're kind of doing a bit of a Middle East roundup and update. Um, as listeners of the show, you know that there have been a lot of developments in the region, including news stories and headlines, you know, erupting multiple times a day. Last week, we talked about the airstrikes in Iraq um, and the ultimatum made about the Red Sea. Um, so, you know, after October 7th and the resulting Israeli operations in Gaza, we've heard a lot about worries of escalation and widening of the conflict. Um, however, those fears kind of died down a bit. Unfortunately, if you've been reading the news lately, they're back in the headlines. And, you know, if anything from the journal or to the New York Times has been kind of getting the readers ready for possibly an escalation. Um, in the last few days, Hamas deputy chief was killed. Other Hezbollah commander was killed in the weekend in a strike in southern Lebanon. Um, and just yes- yesterday, Hezbollah launched explosive drones at a key Israeli command base. Um, so you see a lot of back and forth in the region. At the same time, our own Secretary of State, Tony Blinken, is touring the Middle East, attempting to prevent a, a widening of the war. Okay, so, you know, to the team, is the threat of widening conflict actually greater today than it was, say, a week ago or, you know, before we broke a month ago? Les, I want your take first. Well, I, I think it's obviously going up. Uh, you, you had an amazing litany of things to be concerned about there, Jones, uh, but you didn't even mention uh, Houthi attacks on international shipping through what is effectively the Suez Canal, which changes the dynamics of world trade considerably, particularly in the energy sector. One of my questions is, where is China in all of this? Uh, China is now the big consumer of Middle Eastern energy supplies. It is effectively allied with Iran at this point. Iran is the supplier of the Houthis. What is what is China doing in the region and why is it benefiting from these attacks? And how is it aligning itself against the West in this crazy axis, this new axis of evil of Russia, Iran, and China? So I think I think there's a there's a lot of meta questions here about not just the Middle East, but also the role of China and how, uh, and frankly, that means we need to be talking about Biden administration approaches to all of these things. I think they all need to change given uh, a lot of these events we're seeing play out before us right now. So I want to get to the Houthis and we can get to China. I mean, Jamila and Morgan, quickly, I mean, do you think, should we be more worried today? Do you agree with Les? One of the things that I don't think has been given enough attention is uh, the north, um, specifically southern Lebanon um, and that border with northern Israel. Um, Hezbollah has over 100,000 missiles aimed directly at Israel. Many of them are precision guided. Um, should there be an all-out war there, that would be absolutely catastrophic for Israel. The fact that Israel is now fighting a potential war on two fronts, both uh, in the south with Gaza, and then as we're seeing, um, rockets launched from Hezbollah in the north um, towards um, uh, from southern uh, Lebanon to northern Israel. Um, northern Command is, has definitely got its work cut out for it. Um, I think we've seen um, a lot of tit for tat here, but it is heating up. And I think it's definitely a space to watch, particularly as Nasrallah continues to sort of saber rattle. 
Yeah, look, I think Morgan's exactly right that the North is an under uh, underappreciated c- concern in this fight. But the bigger problem is, I think, the, the issue that, that Les raised, which is, you know, China actually benefits from all this chaos in the Middle East, particularly uh, the changing of the flow of both oil and other commodities uh, through the Bab al-Mandab up through the Suez Canal, because what's costing is an extra 14 days for ships to go around the Cape of Good Hope there in southern Africa. And because all the traffic, all the, all the supplies that go from China to the Middle East and from the Middle East to China in terms of oil go the other direction, right? Slowdowns in this direction actually benefit China in a significant way, which is why you don't see them actively involved. They're benefiting uh, by simply allowing uh, Iran to use its proxies to attack commercial shipping in the Red Sea, uh, to threaten U.S. forces and to draw the U.S. deeper into the conflict. It also distracts us from uh, their efforts in uh, the South China Sea and the Taiwan Straits. Um, but look, I think we can walk and chew gum at the same time. I don't think we can't help address the problem in the Middle East, support our, our friends in, in, in Israel, support our friends in Ukraine, and deal with the Chinese. I think the fundamental problem here is we're not actually dealing with any of it. We're delivering ultimatums, but nobody believes us, right? We Yes, we did conduct a very successful strike in Baghdad against uh, a militant who was, who was attacking Americans in Syria and Iraq, but that had gone on for, for years before we did anything effective about it. Um, and in the most recent run had been, you know, had been going on for, for weeks. And then on top of all this, we look like clowns because the Secretary of Defense is in the hospital for a week while that ultimatum was delivered, while that, air, while that airstrike was undertaken. The president didn't know. The National Security Advisor didn't know. And by the way, nobody's gotten fired yet. I mean, we look like idiots, right? So, you know, the, it's, it's a consistent problem of America not responding to threats against it, not responding to threats against its allies, and not doing anything back at home when we have crazy problems with Secretary of Defense not bothering to tell anybody that he's got prostate cancer. What? Yeah, I'll just add to that, Jess, that, um, look, I think the United States is too concerned about escalation, and they're not actually dealing with the actual problem itself. Um, yes. We've seen time and time again, whether it's Biden or, or the SecDef, talk about the lack of action that the United States has taken against Iran and its proxies because they don't want to escalate. Well, it's not going things aren't going to get better just because we don't do anything. I think we need to really flex, hit back and demonstrate that, that we are the big dog and really put Iran in its back in its box. To that point, you know, we issued these ult- the ultimatum last week. It hasn't stopped anything. Drone attacks have continued on ships um, in the Red Sea. What's it going to take for the U.S. to actually back up that all the way? What do you guys think? When do you think something – Jamil laughs at that question, so his answer might be n- nothing, never. I mean, but do you think yeah. we're going to see any actually response or you know, some enforcement of, of what we issued last week? I think the, the situation is being set up for a Chinese brokered settlement probably towards the end of this year or early next year on terms that are beneficial to China because the U.S. isn't willing to uh, put its neck out on all of these things. And that's going to be bad for the United States. It's going to be bad for Israel. It's going to be bad for the West generally. And we're going to continue to see this reorientation of these uh, regimes in Moscow, uh, Beijing, and Tehran closer and closer allied with each other and more and more countries in the developing world kind of moving towards that axis. It's a real problem. Blinken says there's, you know, not, I won't say tentative, but there's some movement forward on an agreement, um, you know, a regional approach that takes in the Arab states. Jamil, you seem skeptical. I mean, should we not have some faith when I visit the team and our secretary of state? Do we, do we see a Chinese broker deal versus something that Blinken can push forward? I'd love to have faith if they could actually do anything effective, right? This is the fundamental problem with this administration. They talk a big game about being the adults in the room and stopping the chaos of the Trump administration. Then 
everything they do, everything they touch in the world ends up in chaos, right? Their withdrawal from Afghanistan, disaster. Their withdrawal, their attempt to withdraw from the Middle East, failure. Their attempt to push back on China, fail, right? I mean, time and time again. And, and the reason why is very simple. They don't want to act unilaterally. They don't want to demonstrate strength. They don't want to put anything on the line. It's what Morgan said exactly. Right. They're afraid of their own shadow. They're afraid of the escalation dynamic. It's exactly why we have a frozen conflict in Ukraine, even though we pour billions, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars into that fight or tens of billions of dollars in that fight. That we have a frozen conflict because this administration won't get out of its own way and do something effective. Now, I'm not sure that the leading candidate for the for the Republicans either would do anything more effective. I mean, his, his administration was, a, was, was nightmarishly chaotic as well. So, I mean, I think, what, I think the real answer is we need new leadership. And, you know, it doesn't unfortunately look like the American people are ready for that. But we got an election coming up. So there's an opportunity. Yeah, final word on that specifically. It is in the interest of our Middle East partners, particularly in the Gulf, the Saudis, the UAE, the Bahrainis, UAE and Bahrain are in particular, they're the members of the Abraham Accords. They have normalized relations with Israel. Saudi Arabia wants to have normalized relations with Israel. It is in their interest for Israel to wrap up this war with Gaza um, and against Hamas very expeditiously. And so I think in their minds, the quicker that Israel can, can defeat Hamas, the quicker they can get back to normal and resume negotiations. Well, that's a wrap. Uh, thanks so much to Devlin Bernie and Claude Jennings and the rest of the NSI team for their help in producing today's episode. Join us again on Friday, January 12th for another episode of Faultlines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you smart fast on the national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. If you want to judge our rooms, please check us on YouTube. Um, and if you like what you heard, please be sure to rate, review and subscribe. <laughs>